Doing Energy Matters in an informal setting. This week's episode is being recorded at the Eid World Trade Fair in Essen. So, listeners, pardon the background hub of ongoing negotiations and deals being struck. In a follow-up to last week's pod, and, and many in recent weeks, we return to events in the gas market, the main driver of the energy market crisis across Europe. We will take a close look at recent developments such as the drop-in flows on the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, which transports gas from Russia to Germany. And joining me, Richard Sverson, is my old friend Wayne Bryan of Refinitiv. A warm welcome to you, Wayne. Good afternoon. Nice to see you here at Ewell. Yeah. Are you enjoying yourself? Well, it's my first time here, actually. So, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. A lot of good, lot of good people around, a lot of good stands, some new technology, some new innovations. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good vibe here. Perfect, perfect. So, Wayne, I thought, you know, your, you know, your expert subject here, uh, the gas, gas market, European gas market. What, what's, what's happening at the moment? We see Nord Stream 1 flows down, as I hinted at in, in the intro. We see some outages um, in, in North America. Is this, these are the main price drivers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You, you look back a few weeks ago, just before uh, Freeport uh, and also the Russian flow issue, you looked at prices and they had already retreated back below pre-invasion levels. That told you the market was a bit more sanguine in regards to supply. Storages were getting filled at record rates. They're still getting filled, of course, but a bit slower now. So the market was quite relaxed. To be fair, LNG continues to arrive. Chinese demand hasn't recovered. So that led to prices, you know, falling nicely. And then, of course, and I actually said it in our weekly report a couple of weeks ago, that this price looks a little bit cheap. And judging by what's been happening in the past, I think it's a bit remiss to, to sort of think we're out of the woods yet. And then, of course, <laughs> a week later, we had the double whammy of the Freeport situation and, of course, Nord Stream 1 and all the political sort of discontent that's been bubbling around ever since. Is, and now the market, again, is once more in a precarious situation and prices are back on the rise so, so you would say fear has taken hold again and fear has definitely taken hold again even though Nord Stream, Nord Stream 1 sorry has got lower flows uh we're still filling in storage lng is still arriving demand is very low at the moment uh, it's been very warm so yeah i mean overall things were looking quite comfortable but now we've got this sort of specter of Nord Stream 1 flows, will they return to previous levels? Will the turbine arrive? Will the compressor, sorry, arrive from Canada? You've got the Italian Prime Minister calling the Russian, I think, Dmitry Peskov a liar today. There's talk of Gazprom withholding uh, supplies to Europe, which if you look at the available capacity at other routes, you could say that. Deliveries have been cut to several buyers over recent week, as we've seen. So, yeah, it's, it's back to sort of uncertain times and, again, relying on LNG to sort of help us fill our storages ahead of the start of the winter. And I think that's where the real concern is, is this continues into the winter. We might still get the storages back to a reasonable level, but then what happens if we have a cold snap? What happens if we have an extended outage, for example, in Norway, the UK, something not even connected to Russia just to exacerbate the situation cold snap in asia could drive their price above ours we're going to continue fighting with them so i think yeah there's a lot of uncertainty and i think it's mainly driven by gazprom and uh this flows coming coming into europe well if we can follow up and ask about 
Nord Stream 1. I mean, it's quite unusual to talk about Nord Stream 1 because we're so used to talking about Nord Stream 2, yeah. aren't we, over the... Over, Less over the yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, but what, what was happening there? What, what's behind these reduced flows? I mean, is it... You mentioned the turbine. The Could parts. you go into... Yeah, yeah the yeah. compressors. So there's these compressors uh, that have had faults. Now, these have to be checked. And the way to do that is they go to Siemens and then they go to Canada. Now, the Canadians have the part. Now, what's happened now is, but due to sanctions, they can't send that part back. They're not allowed to send anything to Russia. So that's why at the moment we've reached an impasse. Now, just after that, there's been talk of the German and the Canadian governments getting together to see how they can get around this. But as of yet, we've seen nothing. Uh, no further news on whether this uh, compressor is going to be returned. Then we had another issue where Gazprom took another compressor offline and said it's not a problem. Now we're down to, we've got two offline now. So now we've got another problem. So we've got two more of these left. But people are now saying that this is being used as an excuse to further cut European gas flows. And of course, we all know the impact it's having uh, on the European gas market. Not only that, but also on the economies. You've seen the inflationary numbers around Europe rising. Energy prices, including my own supplier, tried to make me have a direct debit of around £350 a month. So this is happening a lot. And I think Putin even mentioned it, alluded to it. He said these sanctions, tit-for-tat sanctions, it's actually causing a lot of harm for the European economies, which of course it is, but we mustn't forget there's an invasion still going on and these sanctions are in place for a good reason. So sort of the Nord Stream 1 situation has caught people out of it, obviously by surprise. We didn't expect this to happen. One good thing is it was already going offline for maintenance anyway on the 11th of July, so, <laughs> which was already, yeah, obviously priced in where we get no Nord Stream 2. It's this annual inspection. But what the fear is now is if that annual inspection goes ahead and then they come out and say, well, actually, we found further issues due to this. The compressors haven't returned. There'll be zero Nord Stream flows when it returns. And that after the maintenance period, sorry, now that would really uh, make the February, sorry, the March the 8th peak European gas hubs because that's a major concern at the moment and if you look even we did our own sort of analysis looking following month even if Nord Stream 2 is continue at 60% capacity Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 1 <laughs> you've got me saying it now Nord Stream 2 no longer <laughs> it's catching um, even if uh, if Nord Stream 1 runs at 60% capacity which it sort of is now for the rest of the summer still get storages filled to a reasonable level if, of course, LNG continues where we expect it. So it's not the doomsday scenario that we all think. However, like I said, the fact if it goes off completely or we get these problems going into the winter, this is when we really uh, see prices continue to climb throughout the winter period. And, of course, we could see some of these measures that have been talked about come into effect, cutting the industrial supply. We've seen... I think you saw uh, additional coal-fired generation now allowed in, uh, in the Netherlands. You're seeing they're bringing some back online in Germany, a bit of reserve lignite and coal. So these other measures, we might see some further draconian measures come into effect if we get into the winter in a similar situation. But um, it seems like Gazprom has got us over a barrel here. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you, yeah. you drop the sanctions or yeah. you get no gas. Well, but. this is how it, it, it kind of appears because, as I said, they've got capacity out of the roots. They can send gas via Velke. They've got capacity. They can send more via Sudja, but they're not. Via Slovakia and, and, yeah. and Poland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There was the latest auctions uh, yesterday. Nothing. They didn't buy anything for, for next month. But again, it seems like they're saying they cannot, but it seems like they do not want to. 
sort of interpretation. There's no other way to interpret it. If you've got the capacity to send it, why are you telling the likes of ENI, Uniper, etc., you're delivering less gas? It's not just due to Nord Stream 1. There's other forces at play here, and I think that is the, that is the sort of overarching fear for the market at the moment. Absolutely. You could speculate what, what, the, uh, what the intention is. Yeah. You know? No one really knows no except for really people knows. sitting inside the Kremlin. Yeah. yeah, but we can look at the cold, hard facts and we can say, okay, you can't send that through Nord Stream 1. However, you've got capacity at additional points, but you're not utilizing that. So what does that tell you? And I think the Ukrainian GTSOU has already said, oh, we'll transfer that capacity to Suja from Sohiranka, which obviously is under, under sort of separatist control, which is why they invigs, uh give the force majeure in the first place. But no, they said they still, no, but they still, Gazprom still daily submit nominations, even though they get rejected every day. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of political uh, brinksmanship at play here. And at the end of the day, it's the consumers or us that are suffering here. Because prices are getting higher. There's no respite uh, for the consumer, even the industrial side of it as well. You've got these smaller businesses now, costs are rising. And this is all really pressures building, which is why we're seeing inflation where it is at the moment. So, yeah, it's very disconcerting, actually. Yeah, I mean, you know, last week's pod, we looked at the whole geopolitics of it, and, they, they, and this is at the core of, of, of what's happening globally, isn't it? This really is, yeah. And the energy crisis, or energy sort of crisis driven by the invasion now has really, has really shaken up, you know, the economy uh, globally as well. We're seeing the impact far-reaching, even with the grain exports and sort of, you know, Africa shortage. So that's... It's spreading, uh, and yeah, and I think the gas market is, it's now seems to be again the beginning of some a real period of uncertainty uh, due to Nord Stream One, and we also we know Nord Stream Two is never going to happen. Well, not very highly, 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 highly unlikely to ever happen. So, yeah, there's a, there's quite a lot of fear at the moment, but luckily we have LNG. But then we had the Freeport, so <laughs> at the moment you can't win. Really, can't win, exactly, you can't right? win. If if we you know we've seen gas cut off to initially to Poland, Bulgaria, Finland, you know, um, Denmark, exactly, and now, and, and France as well. So, I mean, who's next? Uh, this, this, this is, who else could is be there? Italy. Yeah. <laughs> who else is there? Who else can they, you know, who else can they, well, they might just further increase the percentage of the cuts to said countries. That, again, is, is still something that could be on the table. And again, they might use this compressor situation to sort of try and cut further uh, through Nord Stream 1, I think. So if you're a politician in, in Rome or, or Berlin, you'd be getting very, uh, very scared of what's coming for the winter. If, if, if this is the intention behind the, the cuts and you'd, you'd want to take some drastic steps, which you've already mentioned, and, you know, bringing coal back on, maybe, maybe curbing industrial demand. Um, so we could maybe LNG see that. LNG expansions like Gate has well going to expand there. So there's, you know, there's more LNG capacity being built. There's more LNG coming online over the next 12 months as well. So these sort of measures can can help mitigate, but we all know the complete halt of Russian gas puts Europe in a very, very, very difficult position. We are lucky it's the summer, as I, as I mentioned. Once we get into the winter, and if the situation is kind of as it is now, I do, I do fear, fear for, for prices for everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we've had some fairly benign uh, winters. Yeah. Yes, we so have maybe with you <laughs> with you a with, very cold with one, you yeah. a very cold one if it coincides with a colder period in asia and if also chinese demand comes back at the moment it's still quite suppressed then we could be we could be in trouble and we'll see a lot of these measures actually being enacted i mean sweden obviously a small user 
the latest to say, look, there could be a gas crisis ahead. We're, we're looking at enacting a plan. The German plan's already out, I think three stages. We're only at stage one. They said there's no need for the next couple of stages at the moment because gas is still coming, customers are still being supplied. But once we start getting deeper into the summer and if the situation hasn't improved, then you're going to see more of these gas plans come into effect because the last thing we want to do is not be prepared going into the winter. And I think some of these might be sort of kick-started a bit earlier if things don't change. And I think as we get through July, see how the Nord Stream 1 maintenance period goes, see what happens on the other side. I think once we get towards the end of July and into the start of August, I think then if things haven't improved in terms of Russian flows, we're going to see some serious planning from various European countries. But as I said, the storage is at the moment in good position. We predict them you know, to be just shy of the five-year average at the end of next month. So that is not a bad situation, you think, to the last couple of years and where storages have been. Where we are now is, you know, we're, we're reasonably comfortable thanks to record storage injections in April, May, and I think in June as well. So far in June is not a record, but April and May were quite high. And this is, you know, the storage injections have been centrally planned pretty yeah. much, haven't they? So yes. this has been, you know, the targeted. onus has been targeted to, to, to fill the build these facilities ahead, yeah. ahead of the winter. But it will need further measures to enable them to fill without this additional uh, Russian gas fire Nord Stream 1. It, it needs other measures, which is why we're seeing all these uh, plans spoken about. If we look further out, Wayne, you mentioned the LNG capacity that's coming. So, okay, we've got terminals being planned in, in Germany and other parts of Europe. But where's the gas going to come from? Yes, yeah, good question. I mean, there's some new, new actually LNG facilities coming online to give us additional supply as well. But yeah, correct is there's only so much we can take at the moment. Of course, we get these additional capacity. Where is it coming from? And I think that's the question. And who wants it? Where will it go? I mean, the, the demand from Asia, again, is, is the big question. If that re-emerges, re then you know, we're going to be, you know, again, fighting for them for, for that gas. But I think you've got U.S. producers, obviously, have been maxing out. There's a couple more to come. But I think one more comes online. We've got Europe as well with a, with a couple of more capacity coming online. So things are going to get a bit better. But it's just where will we be later on in the winter I think, and even early into next year? There's so much now uncertainty ahead. And I think you, you, you nailed it when you mentioned the weather, how, you know, how cold will it be? We are due, we are due a cold one. So, yeah, it's, it's a, there's a lot of these concerns are, are bubbling now, I think. But where, 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 is, where are most of the concerns? Are they in the next six months, the next 18 months, or three to five year time period? Um, where is the biggest squeeze going to happen, would you say, in the next, the next six, six months? The next six to 12 months, for sure, because... If we have a winter scenario where it's erring on the, the bad side, as in I mentioned, there's a cut of flows, colder winter, ramp up in demand, supply constraints, etc., that then rolls into next summer as well. So kicking the can down the road. So I think the initial fear because of the invasion, because of the, I'll call it Russian flow roulette, is what we've been seeing for months now. The real fear for is the next six to eight months. Surely it has to be. What happens further down the line will be a byproduct of what happens over these next six to eight months, which at the moment is, you know, it's fraught with uncertainty. So I think the focus now is on getting, getting first, I think the first stage is, can we get to the start of winter with storages at the required fill levels? That'll give us a bit more confidence. I think that's the first sort of first post we need to get to. Once we're there, we then need to get through the winter. 
and that and that involves a whole multitude of different things that, as we know over recent years on the up and down side that can affect how the winter ends so but the main concern now is let's get these storages filled give us a bit of confidence and let's hope that the invasion uh ends which doesn't look likely it seems like we're in for a bit of a long haul at the moment and while that invasion goes on it means the sanction goes on it means the west keeps supplying weapons uh to ukraine it means the russians are then looking for other ways to hurt the west this tit for tat i just see no end for it at the moment and unfortunately for us we've been so over reliant on russia for for their molecules for all these years that we find ourselves now on you know staring down the end of a vessel sort of barrel so to speak um so for, yeah it's that this next six months is, is key really and as you mentioned the macroeconomic picture isn't yeah, that rosy either bleak. with the yeah, yeah it's with the inflationary pressure with interest rates with you know cost of living crisis uh, across europe you know so supply chain issues you know there's there's, there's a whole multitude of problems at the moment and energy is unfortunately for us at the center of it at the minute and it's responsible for a lot of the of issues we're seeing which again comes from the start of the invasion ever since then i think nothing's really been the same in the european gas market apart from the odd quiet moment like a few weeks ago but as i said we're always mindful that there's always something that's what i remember saying there's always something and i used to be a trader and we'd say that there's always something's going to happen you can never really relax and i think we got a little bit relaxed a couple of weeks ago and then bang bang two incidents straight away showed us uh, how fragile this market is at the moment i think that's the point any small problem exacerbates what is already a you know a sort of market on tenterhooks and you've seen some of the wild swings in prices and it shows you that there's a lot of a uh, lot of concern there i mean there's been talk as well in media as well as you know politicians talking about potential rationing of energy is that a likely scenario would you say i i think it could be for, but not for i think as domestic users we're always going to be safe but i think in terms of the industrials you you'll be looking to cut your large industrial consumers first so your ceramics bricks you know all these sort of heavy chemical industry <clears throat> excuse me heavy duty i mean that's part of the plan anyway like the uk you have the interruptible contracts <clears throat> so a lot of people are on these interruptible contracts which means the government can step in or national grid step in and say right we're inter- we're now cutting your gas and that 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 can help and of course i think i was reading the german plan they have that as well they'll start doing that we're seeing you know more coal being allowed to be for, for power generation so there's a lot of measures that can help but i think yeah i think we if we continue on the same vein in terms of the lower levels of russian flows going into august i think we'll start to see these measures come into force even before the winter starts i think that would be the most prudent plan let's if we're still fraught with risk and we don't think the storage can be filled let's start that plan a bit earlier make sure these storages are filled but again that that's going to hurt the economy you're telling the producers of you know whatever you're producing to stop producing again it's not it's not great for what's already you know, an economy that's already in a lot of trouble so but i think we may see it if the supply side doesn't improve i think we may see it and again the freeport thing really didn't help as well yeah no but how how would that be managed though Wayne, i mean if you who decides where to cut and what to cut and how much i mean is that the tso is it regulator is it, i think you cut well in germany for start it comes from the regulator and i think in the uk's national grid and i imagine it's, the, it's all the the sort of respective owners of the of the grid in the respective countries like holland etc sorry netherlands etc so they are the ones that decide that but i think it's going to come from the, the politicians as well because politicians don't want to see don't want to see prices like this don't want to see inflation like this and they also realize that energy is at the heart of it which is why you're seeing a lot of these comments now 
coming from like the likes of uh, you know Mario Draghi, etc. Where he like I said, let's go the liar. I mean, it's quite strong, strong words. You don't normally hear these sort of very strong words to say, and it kind of shows you the stress they're under as well, which means there will be aggressive cuts uh, to where they see fit to ensure you know security of supply for for people like you and I that yeah. heat our homes. The ratcheting up of the rhetoric. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a bad yeah. sign for me. That's a really bad sign. Things are actually deteriorating. Uh, and the thing is, when you look at Russia, they can really do what they want to us in terms of gas. They can flick the switch today. And I, and I know you look, you look at their own situation, what, what they're going to do with the gas. You know, are they going to, how are their storages looking? And the data coming out of Russia is sketchy at the least, but even more so at the moment. But we know the production has fallen. We know obviously exports are falling. But what about the storages as well? When their storages get to a level, what will they do? Will they flare, burn the gas off themselves? I mean... But that's the problem for us in Europe. And I think this, this stronger the rhetoric gets, the more you're sort of poking the stick into the bear, so to speak. And then we could see, you know, let's see how you like this. And off we go with no Russian gas at all for a few days and see what that does to the prices. Yeah, you like it too, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, could you ever imagine the situation which we've seen in Australia where there just says trading has stopped, markets are all closed? Someone said that, 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 that the market could stop. TTF, MBP, these markets are broken, let's stop. I don't, I, I, it'd be unprecedented, obviously. It'd be completely unprecedented, like with price caps. I've read about these sort of price caps, but that's the whole point of these markets. Liquid markets need, need freedom. You start putting in price caps and how does that, how does that work in terms of especially the TTF uh, or you stop the trading then yeah i think that would be the most extreme measure but it's it's again as we always keep saying as well throughout these last few there's nothing's off the table we're in nothing extreme times surpri- yeah nothing would surprise me at the moment i've been surprised a lot in the last few years in, in these energy markets but not like the last 12 months i didn't think i'd see prices like this i didn't see, I'd think i'd see volatility uh, some of the close to close numbers have been you know horrific and again that's another point german government are going to increase credit lines to allow, you know, allow these buyers to purchase more gas. They're going to, so that, they're going to help do that as well because that's been a huge concern with price swings like they are, is margin calls, et cetera. That's another way of helping. Mm, for sure. I mean, when, final question. Um, you know, some of the journalists at Mantel put out stories uh, you know, about potential trade war, LNG trade war with China and Europe. I mean, we, we've seen a, a downturn in the Chinese <laughs> economy, uh, demand in China has been weak, but once the economy starts going at full full speed again, yeah, um, when we're talking maybe just after summer, autumn, uh, certainly in the winter, how how will that play out? Big risk, yeah. the European gas market as well. But what it will do is it will keep our prices even more elevated to stay in competition with Asia. But you mustn't forget in Asia, there's a lot more price sensitive buyers, uh, especially in Southern Asia, your likes of India, Pakistan, they step out of certain levels, even below 30, some of them 30 and below, they're, they're not happy, sorry, 25 upwards, sorry, and over 30, they're not, they're not happy and they're stepping out of the market. So that might reduce a bit of demand, but you're, you're right in your assumption, if we see a complete takeoff in, in China again, then we need to be slightly concerned. However, we mustn't forget the fact that China now has more domestic gas storage, they have more pipeline supply um, through the power of Siberia, they have more uh, domestic production as well. So they're a bit more prepared than they were, say, a year or two ago. And you look at some of the other Asian big buyers, like your Japan and Korea, pretty reasonable levels of storage. You know, things are not as tight as they were, say, a year or two ago when we saw like in Asia that actually, actually followed. So 
It's a concern though. Chinese, if a full return to Chinese sort of demand, then it is a concern for this market for sure. And if you have a very uh, extreme winter in Northeast Asia as well, then yes. that's also uh, and remaining uncertainty, you know, Russian gas flows, then it's actually a perfect storm. Once more, we've seen a few perfect <laughs> storms, but this again would be another perfect storm for a, perhaps even a test of you know what we saw in March the seventh. I think eight hundred pence a therm. We could even see level. Well, we would see these levels beaten if we saw you know a multitude of issues surface at the same time as well as a resurgence of Chinese demand. So yeah, again, it's just a, a future few months fraught with uncertainty, risk. I think there's going to be a lot of people uh, tearing their hairs out over the next few months, whether that's traders, analysts, journalists, we're all in a similar sort of boat at the moment with so many things going on and a lot of uncertainty. Wayne, always a pleasure having you on the pod. So thanks very much for joining us this week from, from eWorld. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. So listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Montel Weekly Podcast. Please direct message, any suggestions, questions, or, you know, let us know if you, if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show. You can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye.